A very warm welcome to Chris Fogarty on his new show on Ontrina Station. Today we're going to find out all about the famine, how it started, why it started and Chris's own personal journey to how he started to get interested and how he followed this journey. So very warm welcome Chris Fogarty to your own. Um, thank you so much for, for doing this and coming on. Thank you. So Thank bring you us much. back to the very beginning, Chris. Where and how right. did you get interested in this and why? Uh, yes, I had never known my grandfather, my father's father. I knew my mother's father very well in Perms, but I did not know my father's father. He had died in 1923, years before I was born. So in trying to learn more about his life, I found that he had been a British, though Irish, born in in. Uh, in County Leash, that he had become a British soldier. I was able to get the actual records on which his paper on which he signed, and I found out while looking through his records, his personal records, in the public, it was then the public record office in Kew, uh, Surrey, England, uh, that is now called the National Archives. So it's the same building in Kew, Surrey. And, and there I found that the regiment that he joined when he was 18 years of age, had removed the food from South County Galway when he was a child of 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 years of age. I was shocked because in schools on both sides of the Atlantic, I had been taught famine. The same way you evidently, Henri, have have been taught famine. Absolutely. That was a lie. Yeah. That was a lie. And the Maris brother who taught me in Castlereagh later in response to an ex-student, one of my friends uh, said that, uh, asked the brother, you now call it uh, genocide. Why did you teach us all famine in all those years in school? And Brother Enda, born just north of Athlone in County Westmeath, he replied, I had no choice. I had to teach the curriculum as provided to me by the government. So he had lied to his students. This wonderful, otherwise wonderful man of he did his very best. He was a very conscientious teacher. He had lied to his students throughout his entire career. And he had done so under pressure from the Irish government. All of that is very strange to me. And and at least as he got as after he retired, he admitted what he had done. Uh, but that does not help. It does not undo the damage he had done all those years. Covering up a genocide is a very ugly business. It's almost as ugly as a genocide in the first place. So while in London, at the public rec- then public record office, in one when one second I learned to abandon the word famine from my vocabulary regarding Ireland. Uh, it dishonors the murdered. It dishonors history. It is false, and anyone with a conscience. Once they learn the facts of the food removal, they should never use the word famine again regarding those years. It was a genocide. The, it was reported at the time as, as in the Cork Examiner, now the Irish Examiner newspaper, as Holocaust. And there are probably only three, three labels that could be used for today uh, with any conscience, and that is Genocide, which is now the the generic word for such a thing, for such a crime, uh, but I don't happen to use that one uh, as a particular label for 1845, 1850 Ireland, because 
it was it was coined in post World War II by a Jewish Pole, Raphael Lemkin, to try to educate the U.S. Congress on what the Nazis had done to the Jews. So that's that was sort of created. No Irish person had ever used the word genocide at the time. Uh, however, a British bureaucrat had used had used policy of extermination, and that's that's truthful and adequate. It does not dishonor the murdered, uh, but it's th it's three words. It's a little bit uh, unwieldy. The other one, of course, then Holocaust. It had been used at the time not only by the Cork Examiner newspaper, but by other writers of the time, including Michael David, Fitzgerald, and a number of others. John Mitchell and others. So, Holocaust happens to be, I believe, the most apt, at least in my opinion. But we must, we must use it, that fraudulent word, famine. It, it, it is. A, it's an attack upon, upon the memories of those who were murdered, and it, it's also completely false, and it, it, it. It reveals the utterer as either not knowing or as willfully ignorant. And so once one learns the facts, one abandons that label famine from that, that, that crime in Ireland. So I put this, I went back to Chicago from there, and I put it all into a little pamphlet, and I started distributing it. That was in the 1980s. And then I, read, I, I made a map showing which regiment was located in which part of Ireland, and it took more than half the British army to remove the food from Ireland. Uh, and the map was the front page of my little six-page pamphlet. Hundreds of thousands were distributed, and no copies were run off, and became school material in Ireland, very few, few places in Ireland, in the United States, Australia, and England, and, and Canada. So some good was done. Around the same time, my wife and I got involved in other events regarding occupied Ireland, this, uh, the six counties, the six counties that are now part of Britain as a result of the Good Friday Agreement. And we made up a, a, a sheet showing the different, which, which American politicians had voted which way on a number of our issues. So those two things combined, either my map or my my sheet showing the voting record of the different U.S. and state politicians, one of those two things must have irritated MI5 because the, an FBI agent with whom I went to school in Ireland, in Castlereagh County, Roscommon, mm. phoned me to tell me that some of his fellow agents were preparing crimes against us to silence us. Uh, we met, we, uh, I couldn't believe him. My wife and I were sitting beside him and he was telling us this, or sitting across from him. And without, without consulting with one another, neither of us at the time could believe him. He was describing a criminal FBI agency. And we, we thought there might be maybe a, a criminal individual agent, but the entire agency, as was being described to us, cannot be a criminal organization. It just seemed preposterous. Uh, yes, that, that Northern Ireland, indeed. It's what many of many of us older people call it the six counties. Yeah. You, you probably know which one they are. 
Yeah. All five around in Loch Ness and County Fermanagh. Uh, just a few weeks after the warning, it was less a warning than merely a heads up, an alert. We never believed it. 16-year-old David Biro in, in Winnetka, Illinois, a, nor- a suburb north of Chicago, using FBI agent Lewis's 357 Magnum gun, murdered his neighbors, Mr. and Mrs. Langert, and their soon-to-be-born child. Uh, the F- the local police had had determined that the most likely murderer was the actual murderer, David Biro, 16-year-old. But FBI agent Buckley arrived the next day, usurped the investigatory authority, and prohibited the police from investigating the murderer. And then it notified the news media that the IRA were involved. The IRA and, were involved with the FBI. This sounds like something out of a book. It's crazy. Yes, it is. It, it is crazy. Hard, it, it's it, today. But I have, you see, I have all these records. Yeah. And if you wish, I can send you. Send. But maybe, you know what? Maybe, I'm not maybe. really surprised because years ago, I tell you this, um, there was this, this peace rally thing. And I got talking to some people. And basically what the story was that they told me was. Um, okay, so when Ireland became independent, De Valier refused to sign NATO. And this caused a problem because the Americans had the submarines and all sorts of stuff um, off Northern Ireland watching the Baltic states. Um, so our, the, he refused to join NATO all the way through. Then in 1990 seven Ireland or 95 just a few years before the so-called peace agreement Good Friday Ireland joined NATO and oh actually I forgot a part of that as well during that time the British in the 1970s wanted to hand back Northern Ireland the six counties to the Republic because it became too much troublesome they were told um, by the Americans that they weren't allowed to do that and that they had to keep the trouble going. The reason being was that because they were still watching the Baltic states from Northern Ireland and Ireland was neutral, so therefore couldn't be trusted. And until Ireland joined NATO, then there couldn't be peace in Ireland. And then in the 90s, as I said, Ireland signed the NATO agreement and only then was the Good Friday agreement so that really from what i heard from from people who know what they're talking about in northern ireland um it it turns out that that the there was a paper written uh, as as the soviet system began to collapse it was written by americans uh they used to be all trotskyites they were mostly dual citizen uh, Israeli Americans of both carrying papers for both citizenships, and they published a paper entitled "A Project for a New American Century." I have all the names of all of, of essentially all of them, and and they were they were very they were they pretty much took over the American television and radio in those years, and they're still they're still active. They're still 
so-called advisors and things. But they they wrote that paper, a project for a new American century, and the key component of it was um, full spectrum dominance, which they defined as the conquest of planet Earth and space. It, it evidently the ultimate targets are China and Russia. And all of our wars that are going on now and our threats of wars are aimed at the nations that are thresholds to uh, to Russia and China. And it, it's, it's desperate to say, my wife and I were uh, participated for a year, in fact, for 11 years, uh, prior to the shock and all night under Bush, W, W Bush. And for years, for 11 years after, uh, protesting against these supreme crimes and they are supreme crimes as defined by the Nuremberg Tribunal and the United Nations the supreme crimes in that uh, all of the death and destruction created by a, a war are due and, and a, a chargeable to the individuals who initiated those wars so we know who the initiators are mm. including a few American presidents we know that the names of the of the people who promoted the wars, and and uh, and we have we don't yet have a president who's willing to end them, uh, though Trump said he would, uh, and he has not expanded them. Uh, while while Biden was behind a major promoter to all of them, yeah. uh, I'm I'm kind of sad about Biden in that his mother was a Finnegan, my mother was a Finnegan. I would like to be on his side, but I must oppose genocide. Absolutely. And he is a prime genocidist, Biden is, and, and the people around him, Hillary Clinton and all the rest. Bill Clinton, of course, was he was largely responsible for the, the NATO takeover of Ireland. Uh, Ireland is, used to be run by London until fairly recently, and still partly is, but above all, is being run by the deep state today. And, all, and that is quite clear from essentially all of Ireland's policies. Uh, for years, my wife and I joined others in working for the McBride Principles for Fair Employment in Northern Ireland uh, and, and other issues, the, the imprisonment of Joe Doherty in the United States without trial and without conviction. And who was Joe uh, Doherty? He, he was... He was he was a member of an IRA squad who shot a, a British captain who was attacking them in Belfast. He came to the States, uh, worked two jobs, but was uh, some years later was arrested by the FBI and imprisoned without trial or without charge in a federal prison in America. Uh, that's a violation of the United States Constitution, of course. So we went, we, did, we didn't... Uh, we did not like Irish Republican politics at the time. We had been at the time believers in what the news media told us, and we wouldn't even go to work for Doherty. But during the education we got while getting the McBride Principles for Fair Employment in Northern Ireland enacted into law in the state of Illinois and later in Washington, D.C., we learned we got quite a bit of additional education about conditions. And so we were willing then to work for Joe Doherty, which we wouldn't have prior to that, uh, believing that the IRA were Marxist-Leninist terrorists, which is what the newspaper was, were telling all of us, news media. Uh, 
So, uh, but I get, get, get back to the line of. of so uh, it all goes back to Clinton. All this goes back to Clinton. That's unbelievable. That would make sense because yeah. that was all signing in with the EU and all the trouble that's happened to Ireland and the destruction of Ireland as we see today. I mean, Ireland, I don't know when was the last time he came to Ireland, but it isn't Ireland anymore. It's everyone else's country but the Irish and the Irish indigenous race are put totally at the back and it's almost looked down on that the indigenous race absolutely everything from the famine is being redone but just has different names it's like a same can of dog food it's just been given a different label um and so that's why i find yeah. fascinating By the way, i'm sorry yeah you were i would to... like you to get a copy of my book because i it, it is jarring to me to hear someone still using the word famine. Oh yeah, no, sorry. It I shouldn't. So I know it's not a famine. It's so insulting of the Irish people. Absolutely. The, the, the reason, of course, it is so insulting is that the word famine it's indicates that the Irish stupidly fell into a lethal trap of their own making by yeah. growing and depending upon one sole so, crop. Absolutely. A, a failure-prone crop. That is a completely false, and my book nails that, nailed it on many different levels. Absolutely. The Irish grew tremendous quantities and varieties of food in, in those years. Ireland was, 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 uh, was inundated by its own uh, production of I know, there was three and a half times foods. food. There was but three and a half times it. enough food to it. feed the it, Irish. It took, more than, it took more than half the British army to commit that genocide oh. by robbing the Irish wow. people of their food production. It was all produced by the Irish, but it was robbed from them on the basis that it belonged to the then English landlords who then owned Ireland. They're mm -hmm. long gone. They were bought out by the British government between okay. 1900 and 1910. But those of us who were raised in Ireland, all of us knew the names of the old landlords who had been there. Our parents and grandparents were familiar with them, with the, the English landlords who used to own Ireland. So all of that is fact, and many young people don't know that. It's, it's, I don't it, know. And it's fun yeah, I wouldn't have known any Irish history that it was, Ireland was owned by English landlords for, for a very long time, and they were genocidal landlords. Yeah, it's horrific. The thing that shocked me and really upset me was actually seeing your map. I think out of everything, once I opened the page on the map, it really dawned on me what had actually happened. I've read bits and I've read loads of stuff before, but I think the map, for some reason, I actually think it made me cry when I looked at it because it really hit home how well planned it was and how thought out. Yes, and the, the, on that same map, you will see a few hundred mass graves left behind by those same regiments. Shocking. Have you noticed those little crosses? I didn't actually know. I just kind of, I remember just opening it at that page and just being mesmerized and kind of going, this was really thought out and planned. Um, and then it kind of yeah. brings me back yeah. to today of what's happening in Ireland today. And I'm like, yeah. It's of course it's always been planned. All these things have been planned, and we are now living through the next one, 
But as I said, it's yes. exactly the same thing. It's just done in a different way. Yes. It should it should interest your your listeners that the Irish government is very very opposed to any monuments, truth telling monuments, going up over any of those mass graves. It is the strangest thing I've ever seen that a national government insists upon concealing a genocide of their own people. My wife and I uh, pressed urged on by local people in different parts of Ireland, have installed some memorials over those Holocaust mass graves. And the Irish government is livid about them. They do not want them. They're the first truth-telling memorials installed over those so-called famine graves. And what makes them different from the others is that it names the British regiments that strip the food from the district of those mass graves. Perhaps you know Joe Duffy on Radio T, RTE Radio 1. Yeah, he's a... He was, like... he was so... He interviewed me once about a, a memorial my wife and I installed in in Sparmore outside RD County Louth. And he was so angry at me and so he so wanted to to disparage me, make me look foolish and stupid and even criminal that he called me Trump on air. Oh, my gosh. You see, that that is typical. That does not surprise me at all. With Irish media, Irish government, they are such extreme culture Marxism. They are totally anti, like you had Micheál Martin now at one point saying nationalism is a backwards way of thinking. These in government. He hates native indigenous irish and our culture and our heritage they want to strip it all away and pretend it never happened and make us this so-called multicultural thing that is nothing of anything which yes. is horrible mass man if if, if 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 ireland becomes populated by mass man it'll be all over for the country well, it already is there are certain parts of ireland Certain parts of Dublin. That's what I'm hearing no from people. I haven't been there in some five or six years, and I, I, I am so sympathetic. It's the land of my ancestors. I was raised there, and one wishes well for Ireland, but it is desperately sad. The Irish Consul General here in Chicago uh, evidently arranged a physical assault against my wife and me wow. by the police in Milwaukee back about 1997. Uh, we were distributing that pamphlet, that very pamphlet we're talking about, six pages with the map of Ireland on the front, showing the locations of the 67 British regiments that removed the food from Ireland. And by the way, the total army of Britain at the time comprised of 129 regiments, 129 specifically, exactly. 67 of them were in Ireland, removing Ireland's food that tells you how much importance they gave to the removal of Ireland's food. And it is so important that the chief, quote, famine, unquote, promoter in Ireland and and the States, uh, Professor Christine Keneally, uh, she uh, destroyed, she misstated a quotation by, by, the Viceroy Clarendon from his Phoenix Park in Dublin 
to British Prime Minister John Russell on the 5th of July, 1847. What Russell, what uh, Lord Clarendon was giving a progress report of the starvation of Ireland to Prime Minister John Russell in London. And he wrote, uh, Sir John Blakeney says that the that the country is tranquil and but for the hazardous for the harassing duty except for the harassing duty of the food of the escorting of provisions provisions was their word at the time for food they would be there would be no need for the army in ireland so there he is stating that the he's boasting about it there was there was strife and the british government the british army were called in when the constabulary when the british run constabulary and the 37 british commanded militia regiments when both of those failed to remove the food from the from its growers only then was the nearest uh, the nearest uh, british army um, not brigade, but regiment called in, called in, and they and the British regiments never failed to remove the food from that. But Christine Keneally has removed, has deleted the first four words of of the letter written by Clarendon to Prime Minister Russell. She removed Sir John Blakeney says, and thus making a progress report by the commander-in-chief of that project seemed to be the idle uh, comment of, of Lord Clarendon. There's a, a, a world of difference. There was a very strong reason, obvious, why Christine Keneally falsified a historic document and it was only to conceal a genocide. She, was, she concealed what was a progress report on the starvation of Ireland and turned into an idle comment by falsely turned into an idle comment, what seemed to be an idle comment by Lord Clarendon. That this is major and Ireland's history is being dictated by, uh, with Irish, so-called Irish government collaboration with the likes of Christine Keneally. She is the spokesperson for the so-called Irish government at this time, and she she is stooping to to falsifying falsifying not just the spoken words but the written words of those years. And why would any honorable university system continue to be led by history falsifiers? It, it, this this is it, it's a stunning fact that a history falsifier is essentially the lead person in determining what is Irish history. But it's not only in Ireland. The same lie about the Irish famine, and I certainly hope that you learn to well, to yeah, call it a genocide. That, yeah. that lie from your from your vocabulary. <laughs> uh, I must say, it took me nearly a year to excise it from mine. Yeah. Having been uh, raised in Ireland, the word famine was very close to my tongue teeth. 
come to yeah. in, in referring to Ireland. And it took me many months to remove it, to excise it, to cut it out of my vocabulary regarding Ireland. Because again, it was so close to the tip of my tongue. Like it is perhaps for most Irish people. We were raised with it. It was always there. Absolutely. It was foisted upon us by the Irish news media and by the Irish educational establishment. So it's not just recently that the Irish government has become corrupt. It has been corrupt since, I suppose, as, as Billy Maguire of the Irish Republican Brotherhood says, Ireland was free only between its founding in, in, the, in January, January 21, 1919, as a result of the 1918 election, until King George V imposed another, one might call it the Royal Doyle, of which the current Doyle is a successor. And he imposed, George V imposed, uh, with the help of some Irish traders, on the December, the following December 6, 1921. So Ireland, after many centuries, was free only between January 1919 and December 1921, after which it became back in the control of London. It's no longer in, in London's sole control. It is now being controlled by what must be called the deep state, which is London, Washington, and Tel Aviv, or maybe now Jerusalem. Mm. I'd say Saudi, actually. Saudi seems to be running a lot of stuff with Ireland um, and has a lot of money. Um, I and I think they're buying up quite a bit, so I think it's probably more a Muslim kind of thing because they're so pro-Muslim in this country. Um, but also goes, I suppose, in with their culture Marxism. And I always say, if Devalier was alive today, he would have probably been become a Muslim because it has huge amounts you can control the masses with it. That, that is a tragedy. Um, uh, we we here in the states are being told that we must, the American foreign policy, our genocides were not prompted by Islam, they were prompted by Israel, by Zionism. And Zionism and Islam are two opposite forces. So to the extent that, that Islam is active in Ireland, is just one more Irish problem, one more problem for Ireland. You see, I mean, I suppose it's the ground level. I mean, Islam is the only ones who will be female mutilation in Ireland. Um, and there's been quite a good few cases of it. And it will only be Islam. And not just in Ireland, in Europe and the Western world. Honour killings will only be with Islam. And again, not just in Ireland. Just the whole gender apartheid. You don't see that with any Jewish kind of community. You do see that on a daily basis. Like, I know people from Eastern Europe and they're really shocked at Islam in Ireland. They say they have had Muslims in their country, but they dress very normally. Muslims in Ireland have the whole burqa, the gloves. They are completely extreme and they follow the whole four wives all that sort of stuff and you can see the extreme in ireland um and it, it is quite it must, have been, it, it must have been selected because of the extremism by the governments that allowed yeah. them into ireland absolutely planned absolutely That's very planned. Strange. 
No, it's been thought out yeah. and planned. And because it's a huge controlism, you can control the masses, and that's the thing about Islam. Um, even this coronavirus kind of reminds me of Islam, the masks, um, the no alcohol unless you're eating, and even then, it's a very much, I mean, it is, Islam has huge control over people, so much so that they blow themselves up. But that wouldn't even worry me, that. It's the everyday the danger towards women you, you look at like the uk they say like something like three something from one million to three million girls in the united kingdom have been gang raped by muslim males um and now they had different types of they were mainly pakistani groups but there is other ones as well um but they're like something like for two percent of their population they create the the gang rapes on on children something like ninety seven percent, so overwhelming considering they're only two percent. Um, so it's just I suppose it's their ideology. Um, and it's you can't change that. You can't just plant them into another country, and expect that their views on women and children will change along. And that doesn't happen. And that is the main problem with Islam. I don't even think of the, you know, the blowing up and all that sort of stuff. I, for me, that's not the problem. It's the everyday, you know, it's the female mutilation. It's the whole sexism. It's the whole women are, are, are have to enter a different door and go into a mosque. It's the whole apartheid against women. That's the thing that, you know, is what the leftists in particular like to tolerate, where it's totally tolerating the intolerable. And that's what more worries me than the jihadists don't really worry because I know that that's a small minority, but I know that the majority of Muslims allow or see that, that this is okay, that, um, you know, that women have a certain place in society. I know Westerns say, oh, you do this, but not to that extent where, you know, a man can have four wives and if a woman looks, she can be beaten up and this is all in their book and it's all been allowed, you know, and that's what's shocking, that completely, and the way that people want to look the other way and that's what, what's more frightening. But Chris Fogarty, thank you so much and I look forward to next week's part of the show, of the Chris Fogarty show. It's so knowledgeable and it's fantastic to learn about the famine and really find out about it and really study up. So everybody, share, share, share. This is Chris Fogarty and he has the most amazing book about the the Irish genocide, um, which I have to clear from my for crabbery, as well as everybody else. So I, w where can you buy your book, Chris? Uh, in Ireland, it's a, well, it, it's been printed in the States, in Ireland and in Australia. So in the States, it can be bought either directly from me or from Amazon. In Ireland, it's available from, from one second now, there's a, there's a man in Donegal, the Irish Patriot newspaper. Oh, uh, yeah. I think he might be running out of them. Uh, Niall uh, McConnell. Niall McConnell. That's right. Yeah. Uh, he, ha he has sold some 300 of them uh, himself already. And then, uh, and the Irish Republican Brotherhood it's under the website billymaguire.com, I think. Um, where I'm not sure about Sinn Féin these days or any of the rest. I'm for Marxists. I see. 
But I get that's what I understand. I'm surprised because I don't uh, the social uh, socialism uh, in Republican Sinn Fein. I, I have some of there, and I respect them as individuals. I think they're in error regarding uh, a very, a very much goes wrong under collectivism because there's it's you don't have a collective leadership. You always have tyrants in charge of the collective. That's what the Soviets had to learn at their great cost after decades of suffering. And so, yeah, we hope that we hope that we're not going to suffer. And the young people in the states now have have been so saddled by government debt, um, made and uh, making them uh, unable to bankrupt to go through bankruptcy from these student loans uh, in a law that was in that, that was promoted by by Joe Biden, who was a senator, U.S. senator from Delaware, the court, the state that gives the corporations all their benefits. So we have a we have a, a very uh, difficult time now where the young in the United States, many seem to have abandoned their respect for the American free enterprise system and are now talking about socialism. Uh, I hope we can cure this, get, get past this, and get rid of the, cr the criminals in the free market system who have made, given it a bad name and are turning the entire younger generation against the free enterprise system. But thank you very much, Von Rehm. And I'm looking forward to our next get together. Thank you so much. Thank you for your sharing. I had to leave my own bed. To him I had to go. How gracious holding in your arms and let this moment linger. They take me out at dawn. With all my love, I place this wedding ring upon your finger. There won't be time to share another, so we must say goodbye. There won't be time to share our love, so we must say goodbye. Wasn't it a full life? As we gather in the chapel here in Old As we gather in the chapel here in Old Trumanum Jail Think about these last few weeks or will they say we failed? From our school days, they have told us we must yearn for liberty. But all I want in this dark place is to have you here with me. Oh, Grace, just hold me in your arms and let this moment linger. They take me out at dawn and I will die. With all my love, I place this wedding ring upon your finger. There won't 
this great life. But when Porik called me to his side down in the GPO, I had to leave my homesick bed. To him I had to go. How gracious hold me in your arms and let this moment linger. They take me out at dawn and I will die. With all my love I place this wedding ring upon your finger. There won't be time to share another so we must say goodbye there won't be time to share our love so we must say goodbye wasn't that a full life lily and isn't this a good end james connolly lily and isn't this a good end James Connolly. As we gather in the chapel here in old room, as we gather in the chapel here in old room, jail, think about these last few weeks. Oh, will they say we failed? From our school days, they have told us we must yearn for liberty. But all I want in this dark place is to have you here with me. Oh, Grace, just hold me in your arms and let this moment they take me out at dawn and I will die. With all my love, I place this wedding ring upon your finger. There won't be time to share another, so we must say goodbye. Now I know. It's hard for you, my love, to ever understand the love I bear for this brave man, my love for this brave life. But when Porik called me to his side down in the GPO, I had to leave my own bed to him I had to go how gracious hold me in your arms and let this moment linger they take me out at dawn and I will die with all my love I place this wedding Time to share another 
Wasn't it a full life, Lily? And isn't this a good end? James Connolly. As we gather in the chapel here in old As we gather in the chapel here in old Romanum jail. Think about these last few weeks. Or will they say we failed? From our school days, they have told us we must yearn for liberty. But all I want in this dark place is to have you here with me. Oh, Grace, just hold me in your arms and let this moment linger. They take me out at dawn and I will die. With all my love, I place this wedding ring upon your finger. There won't be time. Now I know it's hard for you, my love, to ever understand the love I bear for this brave man, my love for this brave lad. But when Pori called me to his side down in the GPO, I had to leave. My own sick bed to him I had to go. Oh, gracious, hold me in your arms and let this moment linger. They take me out at dawn and I will die. With all my love, I place this wedding There won't be time to share our love, so we must say goodbye. Wasn't that a full life, Lily? And isn't this a good end? James Connolly. <laughs>